Hi, I'm Keith Bowes, and I'm the Managing Director for Lotus Resources. Lotus Resources owns the Kalakira Uranium Mine, which is located in Malawi in Southern Africa. And I'm really happy to be able to talk today about our new acquisition or our new merger that we're doing, where our Lotus Resources will be acquiring all of the shares in ACAP. ACAP Resources owns the Letlakani project, which is located in Botswana. It's a greenfield project, but has a very, very large resource base with it which is our primary um, attraction for us acquiring that asset. Keith, uh, good, good to have you on board. And uh, thanks very much for coming on to explain the transaction we were talking about a couple of weeks ago on the last week on the energy show. Um, tell me this, why have you decided to make this acquisition? Is it to make up for any kind of shortfalls at Kelly Kara, uh, or is this an opportunity to get to miss? I think it's a really good opportunity for us. And uh, the way that I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks is that I think Calicare is a really solid project. We've got 10 years of good production sitting there, a good life of mine at the moment. But there has been some comments made by some of the investors and particularly by some of the utilities is what is the opportunity around growing the resource, extending the life of mine at Calicare. And we embarked on some activities last year around some exploration work, whether that be our, on our existing mining license or whether that be on the exploration tenements that we have in Malawi. And we did have some success there. We had the Livingstonia asset, which we've been able to put a resource around as well. But at the same time, we took the opportunity to have a look around and see whether there were any interesting acquisition targets that maybe fit into what Calicare is trying to do. And really on the back of that, we identified ACAP's Letlakani project in Botswana. It sits on a very, very similar geology to what Calicare is. So we believe that all of the technical work that we've been doing at Calicare around ore sorting, around beneficiation, around asset recovery would be directly applicable to that project. And from that perspective, we see a really good fit. We also recognize Letlakani has a very large resource, 190 million pounds of JORC compliant resource, admittedly at a lower grade than Kalakira of around 320 ppm, but there's certainly an opportunity through remodeling, through high grading, through ore sorting to be able to drive that grade up. So we certainly consider putting the two projects together and make a lot of sense. So why does it make sense for you and not the guys next door in Namibia? It was a little bit closer to them, lower grade like them. Why why, has no one else gone for this? I think there were a couple of of things around this. Uh, First of all, Botswana is not well known as a uranium mining jurisdiction. It's obviously well known from diamonds and recently from the copper activities that are going on there as well. So it is a good mining jurisdiction, but probably not that well known from a uranium perspective. I'm assuming everyone in the uranium space is aware of the project, but it's certainly not a well-marketed project outside of the uranium space, which was maybe some of the issues that it faced going forward. I also think when you look at some of the Namibian peers that we have, if we talk about Deep Yellow or we talk about Bannerman, Deep Yellow has certainly got a long life in front of it with regard to its Namibian project, but it's also with the recent acquisition or last year's acquisition of Vimy has got a longer development path in front of it. I think Bannerman, the size of their resource, they're probably not looking to add too many pounds to their existing resource. I think their expiration upside is probably sufficient for them to see a 20, 25 year sort of life of mine. So probably that extension of their life is not as relevant to those companies as it is to Lotus and Calicera. Right, okay. So bring, it gives you size. In fact, I think it, you leapfrog um, above Bannerman in terms of uh, re- resource numbers uh, now as a result of, uh, well, 
potentially if the steel goes through um, as you as you want it to. Um, can you tell us then if the, if you're saying that perhaps wasn't uh, um, it wasn't well known and therefore perhaps wasn't necessarily kind of very competitive uh, t uh, bidding process here. What have you picked it up for? What's it cost you? And you know, do you, and why do you consider it a good deal for your shareholders? Now, so it wasn't a competitive, competitive bidding process at all. We identified the opportunity really early on this year. We did our own due diligence. And through a couple of brokers that we know, we approached the brokers who we know have done a raise previously for ACAP opened up the discussions through them with ACAP. This is a very, very friendly process. There are no other bidders out there at the moment. So I think from an ACAP perspective, why they like the deal is that their shareholders obviously get access to a dedicated team in the uranium space. If you've noticed, ACAP not only has the Letlakani uranium project, but also the Volconi nickel cobalt asset here in WA, and I do feel that in terms of their attention, probably they were a little more focused on that than they were on the Letlakani project. Certainly the latest lot of press releases are focused on that Volkani project rather than Letlakani. So I think there's an opportunity now for a dedicated uranium company to come in to market this project, but also to bring all the skills that we have and the skills that we've developed at Kalakira to bear on the Letlakani project to be able to develop it and put it into a much more economic frame than perhaps they were able to do previously with the project. Well, well let's talk about that, because obviously the market was not giving them much value for it. Was that, was that down to, as you say, they're not particularly focused on it, they're not necessarily uranium people, or is it Botswana? And you know, and why, why, as you say in your presentation recently, or webinar recently, you're talking about you know, re-rating potential, why are you going to be able to unlock that value? Yeah, so I think it has, the resources in their ground are very old value. If you look at when we announced the deal, they had a market cap of around 52 million Australian dollars, which at the 190 million pounds effectively rates their pounds in the ground at somewhere between 25 and 27 cents per pound. If you compare that to Calacara, our pounds are rated at $5 a pound. So there's a huge gap there. But I do acknowledge we are comparing Brownfield versus a Greenfield project there. But maybe a better comparison for the Letlakani pounds is to look at the DPLOs and to look at the Bannermans who have got these similar large grade, large size, but lower grade deposits. And their pounds in the ground are valued at somewhere between 80 and $1.20 per pound. So I believe there's a significant uh, potential for uh, uprating those pounds once they come into Lotus, which as I said, is a more dedicated uranium vehicle to take that project forward. You asked why we think it's undervalued. I think there is a Perhaps ACAP, probably uranium is not really their strong point. Um, as I said, they were focused on their Wilconi project to, uh, to some extent. But also, if you read through the, uh, through the announcements, they do have a very large Chinese owner on the share register, owns about 38% of the shares. And I think that raised some concerns in the market when they were going out and raising money. Obviously, through the deal that we're able to do and we, we put it together, the new merged company will be roughly 79% of the original ACAP, sorry, the original Lotus shareholders, and 21% of the new ACAP shareholders will make up the register. So that large Chinese shareholder gets diluted down to around 7 to 7.5%, which at that level, I think, becomes less, less of a critical factor for other investors moving forward and for other people who want to put money into the company. Right, which, which, I, which I guess negates 
issues or perceived issues in, in one respect, but it also raises another, which is a sense that, you know, if you look at the Chinese investment in Namibia, you know, up in Niger, um, you know, and across Africa more broadly, outside of just uranium investing, it's like, why wouldn't they, with their cheap access to cap, uh, capital, um, do something with this project? You know, why would they relinquish this opportunity? So there's a big chunk of, um, of the company that they are giving up. So again, it comes back to, why would they let this happen? Why is it? Why have you been able to do this? Yeah, so Shenki, who is the Chinese shareholder, is not actually a mining company. They don't have any other real exposure to the mining industry. What they are is more of a factory manufacturing type of focus company. And the reason why they ended up having such a large portion of the ACAP register is that some time ago, and I believe it was after Fukushima, they participated in a debt funding scheme where they provided some debt funding to ACAP. And those shares, although that debt was later converted into shares, and that's why they've ended up with a significant shareholding. From our understanding, they've certainly expressed a, or commented on that they wouldn't be putting any more money into ACAP. Um, and I think that was probably one of the key drivers of why ACAP was looking for a deal to be able to finance their project up moving forward. So I don't think that the Chinese shareholder has really had any significant interest in terms of developing the project themselves. I think this is something that they've picked up along the way. And uh, yeah, they're looking for an exit strategy at some point, and this is the exit strategy for them. Right, okay, that, that's their exit strategy. And, and I, I suspect then the rest of the shareholders in, in ACAP, they're gonna have to consider and weigh up, you know, what you're saying with regards to why this is a logical merger and why the, this is undervalued and why that you, you can unlock that value or else they're going to be dumping stock in the market too. So your message to ACAP shareholders, the non-Chinese uh, shareholders, is is what? You, you know, stay stay in here for the for the long run. We've, we, we've got something good here. This is how we're going to time it. It's all going to be okay. I mean, what do you say to these guys so that they're not in a problem for you? Not unless you want to rotate the shareholders out. But um, what, what do you think? No, we certainly. I mean, we, we we certainly believe this is a good deal for the ACAP shareholders as well. I mean, as I said, they do get exposure to a larger company that has a nearer term project coming online. The ability to generate cash flow from that as well. So I think when they look at the overall combined project. I think they must see that there's an opportunity to get exposure to the uranium market a lot quicker than if that stayed as, or if ACAP had stayed as a standalone company. I think one of the other interesting things is that if you look at it from a financing perspective, obviously greenfield projects, we know what we've seen other companies talking about hundreds of millions of dollars to be able to finance these projects and be able to build them. I think there's an opportunity now that if Calakira gets up and operating and using the cash flow from Calakira to finance the development of the Netlakani project, we'll see lot, a lot less dilution for these existing shareholders moving forward. So in the end, they'll see a lot less dilution than maybe what they would have seen if, as I said, as if ACAP had um, remained as a standalone company going forward. Right, but you're going to want to sort of demonstrate quite quickly the kind of economics um, around the, the new projects. You know, Kerakera, low capex, I think we've talked about it many times, low, low, low capex, kind of, you know, quick, quick to production. Um, but you, you're going to need to persuade the financiers that, obviously, that you're not going to get distracted down in Botswana. You're not going to be consuming large amounts of, of time 
and, and capital um, and delay things, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, up with Calicera. So again, how are you going to manage the actual operations on the ground in both countries and how are you managing that narrative in terms of how you phase um, these pounds into production from, from both assets? Yeah, so the first comment to make is that Calicera remains our primary focus. We want to bring Calicera online as soon as possible, as soon as the uranium price reaches a level that we think makes sense to be able to turn that project back on again, we will do that. And we'll be focusing on the refurbishment and the restart of Calacara as our primary um, objective. As part of the deal, we obviously get the Botswana, so ACAP's Botswana team transfers across to Lotus. So there's a country manager and his team associated with that. So they've got all the know-how, they've got all the knowledge behind what's operating over there. So it's not the case that we have to divert any of our existing resources significantly to uh, manage the day-to-day -day operations in Botswana. But we do recognize that one of the things that we have pushed and which we discussed with ACAP, we do think we have some really good ideas about what we can do with the Letlakani project to make it more economic. And some of these are quite long-term in terms of development programs for it. So we've got quite a bit of new drilling we would like to do there. The existing resources I mentioned as large as 190 million pounds of resource but only about 20, 22% of that is measured and indicated. We certainly need to do infill drilling around that to try and get that percentage up such that we can then put together maybe a pre-feasibility study that can then start to talk about some of the economics. We also know we're talking to our resource specialists and all that. There's work we could do around the resource about getting this grade up. And as an example of that, we talk about the 190 million pounds but that's got a 200 ppm cutoff, giving us an average grade of around 320 ppm. If we were to increase that cutoff grade to 300 ppm, the pounds drop down to about 109 million pounds. So still a very large resource, but the grade goes up to 450 ppm. And I'm starting to think of that 109 million pounds at 450 ppm looks like a good core to be able to develop a project with. If I reference that back to what ACAP did when they had their feasibility study announced in 2015, they had a grade of around 190 ppm. So we're talking about more than doubling the grade from their original technical work and how we can do that and how that impacts on their economics, I think will be important to show to the market and to show to the shareholders. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so, so remind me what the, what the deal's um, costing you, what the kind of combined cash position will be after, after the transaction closes. So the deal is a scheme of arrangements, so it's all done in script. So for every 3.54 uh, shares that an ACAP shareholder holds an ACAP, they will receive one Lotus share, okay? And what that does is effectively values the ACAP shares at around 5.2 cents, and that's a 20% premium to the closing price prior to the announcement, and a 10% premium to the 30-day VWAP. And as I said, when we put everything together, you're going to end up with a merged company in which 79% of the register is held by the existing Lotus shareholders, and 21% held by the new ACAP shareholders as uh, we move forward. Right, okay, so um, I guess, it's really, really important to you. It's incumbent upon you to help people understand what the kind of flow of information to the market is going to be over the next twelve months. Because obviously, two projects, two two jurisdictions, um, a lot, a lot to do. And as you, as you've just outlined, you know, um, in terms of around the economics, trying to understand, you know, can you can you get that grade up? You know, 
what will the economics be? Is is this, you know, uh, I, I, I guess a stone around your neck, or is this a real opportunity for you to say not only are we big, but it will be will be profitable at X dollars? And um, what what's that kind of road ahead look like for us? So I think if we want to talk about the next twelve months, obviously the scheme of arrangements is an ongoing process. We expect that to be completed by the end of October, early November. So that's when the scheme will be completed and when ACAP will then roll into Lotus. So that'll be the starting point for us. If I talk about it from a Netlakani perspective, after we've completed the deal, I think we're going to be starting to look a little bit at the resource. As I said, our resource specialist has some ideas about what we can do on that in terms of getting the grade up. I think we'll want to have a look at doing an infill drill program. Probably not the entire program required to convert all of the inferred to the required levels of measured and indicated for a study, but at least start working in the areas that we would identify as being the first couple of years of the production profile, just to try and have a look what's going on there. And then as I think, as I um, as I commented as well, where I think there's a real opportunity for knowledge transfer from Kalakira, let's have a look at what we can do with the uh, with the ore coming out of Letlakani from an ore sorting perspective or from a beneficiation perspective, can we actually take that 450 ppm material coming out of the pits and can we upgrade that even further? I think I think ore sorting to some extent may be useful there, but I also recognize the excellent work that both Vimy or DPLO and um, uh, have done at the Vimy project around upgrading, but also the Terrace project in Mauritania has also done some fantastic work around upgrading using relatively simple technology using cyclones and all those types of things to increase their grade. Have we got the same sort of thing there as well that we can use? And I think once we understand the scale, once we understand the grade, we can then start to look at the processing of the Letlakani ore. The original feasibility study was based on a two-stage heap leach. Is heap leach the best way to go? Or should we be able, or should, if we have success with our upgrading, perhaps look at a circuit more like Calacara, which is crush, milling, tank leaching, and those types of things. So those are sort of the things I would think we would want to be looking at in the first year with Let Lakani. So okay, interesting so with, to do. Yeah, there, there is. And, 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 just, and just in terms of, um, you, you know, it's all about money. You've you got some money right now in terms of your optionality to kind of um, do, do things in the order which you feel they need to be done. Um, because, and, and that's really important what that decision making is from you because you know, I think you, you talked about in the presentation about you know increased financing flexibility, but I, I want to understand what that actually means and why you think that's the case. Because obviously, an additional assets coming on board can be can be seen as a you know seen as a real add-on, a real plus, and should increase the value. But it's also seen as a liability because there's money to be spent there. So I guess having a, a decent cash balance right now will help you be able to make decisions you want in terms of how you time what what you do. So. For your conversations with financiers, what is the information that you think you're going to have to get done soonest to be able to understand the flexibility that you talk about will actually be able to benefit at Calicara, um, and then eventually, obviously, you know, the, the Botswana project. So, again, how, how are you playing that? So, I think the first thing we want to do when we talk about the financing stuff is by having a much larger resource base to the company. We're hoping to get this re-racing we're talking about. And I think when I'm talking to the investors and when I'm talking to the shareholders and all that, we need to give them a level of comfort that we understand how to drive value from projects. And I think the experience that we've got in our management team, the experience we have on the board is more than enough to demonstrate 
that managing technical projects and being able to develop technical projects and being able to do improvements on these compared to the base case that was set up by other companies, I think is definitely one of our strengths. And I would hope to see that the investors and finances would see that we could take a project like Let Lakani and we could convert it into a very, very economic project moving forward. And hopefully we'll then see a response in terms of our share price from that perspective. And I think that really leads into some of the financing stuff because obviously we still need to go out and raise money for Calacera. It's 100 million US dollars that we need to raise for Calacera, which is the upfront capital plus the pre-production costs. Now we've commented quite a bit on this and I think Maggie and I have spoken about it as well. Our expectations is that a significant portion of that would come via equity. We want our share price up to be able to go and raise that money with equity. Otherwise, we're going to be diluting our shareholders down. So I think that's an important part. How can we get our share price up as high as possible prior to doing that raise? And I think bringing Letlakani and talking that up, I think is an important part of that. But then from a financing perspective, as I mentioned earlier on, Calicare gets up and running. We start to generate some significant cash flow from that. That certainly can be used in terms of the development of Letlakani. So we're not looking at excessive dilution when we try and look at uh, developing the Letlakani project. And those are really the two ways that I'm looking at the financing for, um, uh, at the moment. Right. But, uh, but at the same time, what you don't want to be doing is you know, creating profit to plant straight back in the ground. So getting that balance right between the, 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 the two projects, the financing is, is, is super, super important um, um, for you. So just talk to me about people because one of the kind of big, um, I, I guess, narratives going on at the moment is that companies kind of moving into this um, pre, this pre-production phase. The, obviously, we've seen inflation and capex numbers being blown out of the water across, across the board. You're lucky. You've got this kind of low capex project, your your flagship project, uh, uh, you know, up in Malawi. Um, so that that can again puts you a little bit of control. But the one thing that's I, I guess isn't changing is the kind of cost of staffing, the availability of staffing, skilled staffing in in this uranium space is a problem across the board wherever you are in the world so how are you i know you're inheriting a team but they may or may not be necessarily what you want so how do you manage that process in terms of maybe um sharing skill sets across you know both projects it's certainly one of the things that we think we can do in terms of getting these synergies between the various projects obviously we have a very strong geology team on site at calicara that have been involved in both the exploration, the resource estimation, the mining and all that of the Calicara ore. And we would certainly see some of those guys, at least for a period of time, being um, used at Letlakani to help the existing team there. Um, also, you know, with the resource, with the drilling, with the exploration work and all those types of things. So I could definitely see some cross-pollination between the two various groups there in terms of being able to drive that forward. As I said, we are getting the uh, ACAP Botswana team transfers across to us. So they have their community people, they have their environmental people, they have their geologists, they have the country manager, all coming on board from that perspective. So for the moment, we don't see a need for us to put extra people in Botswana. There is more than enough staffing there for what we plan on doing over the next 12 to 24 months. When we talk about things like drilling, that's obviously using contractors where possible, and we can move people from Calicare as supervisors or whatever for the drill program. So I don't see a significant amount of additional people required because of the ACAP deal 
in the early period. From a staffing perspective, I think the uh, the areas we still need to focus on will be restaffing Calacara for the restart, whether that be during the construction phase or more likely during the operating phase as we start to bring our operating staff on and all those types of things. And I think that's where our focus needs to be uh, in terms of moving this company forward. Okay, so it, it, it kind of feels... I mean, it feels a very uh, aggressive, uh, ambitious um, move. So I think that's good. Um, the timing of this, obviously, the market is, you know, well, you know, uranium prices is moving through the phase, but uranium equities sort of on in that kind of lull at the moment. So what is the what is the timing for you in terms of when you think this kind of acknowledgement or ex- was it not, not acknowledgement that credit that you you think you're due for this deal and you know this capture of this value will happen is it's going to be market driven or do you think that is simply a case of getting the message out that you know this this merger or, or, or this acquisition I should say rather is a good thing and people need to recognise that now irrespective of you know what's happening in the marketplace who's, who's doing the heavy lifting I guess I think it's going to be getting out and talking to people. I really think that that's going to be absolutely critical to getting this right. As I mentioned right at the very, very beginning, Matt, I don't think ACAP and the Letlakani project is particularly well known in the industry. Obviously, the tight insiders will know about it and I have, and I have thoughts on it. But where we're targeting our investors and all that kind of stuff, who maybe aren't core uranium investors, but maybe a little bit more on the generalist side, the opportunity to educate them on Letlakani and how we see that being developed, I think is really, really important. And I think that's where the value is going to come from. We did as part of our due diligence exercise, just as an observation, look at other M&A activity that has been done, both in the uranium industry, but also in other commodities as well. And when does the company really get the value add for their acquisition? Well, it's not really done when we announce the deal, it's done when the deal's closed. So sort of, as I mentioned, the end of October, beginning of November, when the re- when ACAP comes into Lotus, I think that could be another trigger in terms of a share price increase. But I want to get the message out there so that people are looking for that time, understanding what we're going to do with it. And once they see that deal close, hopefully they'll be able to jump in and start getting uh, buying the share, buying off the share price. Okay, so the upside sounds good. Um, downside. What are the what are the things? Because obviously you've got you've got your mining license, you've got a prospecting license, you've got provisional surface rights granted, water we seem good with, good infrastructure around it. What are the things about this deal that you feel you're going to need to work on or perhaps um, help in some uh, in, in in some way? I keep coming back to this grade thing because um, for me, for a project, grade in some way is king. I really think we need to be able to do the work to demonstrate that we have a core, high-grade material that people can easily look at and recognize that, yes, that is going to make the basis of your project moving forward. So 100 million pounds at 600 ppm, just to try and throw some numbers out there. For me, I think anyone could recognize that as being a really good basis for a project moving forward. So I think working around that's important. You know, from a jurisdiction perspective, Botswana is fantastic. It's got such a well-known mining jurisdiction. And one of the things that really surprised me as well, Matt, we went and pulled out the Fraser Index from 2022. Botswana is number two in the world from a policy uh, perspective. Only Nevada sits better than Botswana in 2022 on that Fraser Index. 
I mean, it has got such a good reputation. You know, I think it's a great place for us to be developing a project. The, the infrastructure around there is great. We've got we've got power. We've got access on roads. We've got rail there. We do understand as well that Francistown, which is the second largest city in um, in Botswana, used to be quite a hub for mining. Salibi Pikwe was a well-known nickel smelter and all that stuff. That closed down a few years ago. We understand there's probably skilled workforce are available around the area that will be looking for things as well. So I think talking about the jurisdiction, talking about the infrastructure, talking about the ability to man this project up, as well as addressing what some people may consider to be technical issues with the project, I really think is what we need to be doing. Right, and just one last one, because I think you've said it, but I, I, may, I may have missed it, which, which is um, in, in terms of working out if you can get that higher grade, um, what's, what's your timing on? Presumably you're not gonna do anything or spend any meaningful money between now and this getting over the line in October, November, right? In case things go wrong. Sometimes yeah, things we're not go spending wrong. Okay, so that's all good news. Um, so, in terms of looking at that grade component, what would how long does that take, and how long before you could actually make some kind of announcement to the market about how what you understand about the ore body and your ability to kind of get it, get this kind of higher grade component? I think we're starting off with a really good base because the ACAP uh, technical team also identified this as something they should work on. So they've already completed a metallurgical drill program. So all the samples that are required for a metallurgical test work have already been collected and are actually on their way to one of the labs in South Africa and they're doing a preliminary work program themselves, of which we will obviously have some insight into and I'm hoping be able to guide in some way with the experience that we have had. So I'm sort of hoping pretty soon after we make or we close the deal, we'll be able to put out a phase one beneficiation program result, let's say, to say, listen, this is where we think things are heading. There's obviously a lot of work that needs to be done on it, but I'm hoping the broad scoping work that's going to be done underneath the ACAP cap, let's say, will give us the indication that we're looking for moving forward. And then we can jump into more substantial work on the back of those initial results. Okay. Okay. Well, look, um, Keith, I appreciate you coming on uh, running through um, the transaction. Um, we'll follow it very closely. Like I said, uh, nice aggressive move, uh, move in a market like this. We'll, uh, st we'll stay in touch with you. Excellent, Matt. Thank you very much.